Hey, howdy, space nerds. As I'm sure you know, this podcast is supported by listeners of WMFE, a public radio station that relies on listener contributions to keep going. We're raising money to support the programs coming from this station, like Are We There Yet? And we could use your help. Give a gift of financial support online at wmfe.org support, or hit pause right now and call 1-800-785-2020. And if you're on the line, tell them you're calling because of Are We There Yet? Thanks. From the studios at WMFE in Orlando, Florida, this is the Space Exploration Podcast that asks the question, Are We There Yet? Hi, I'm Brendan Byrne. My guest, Brian Anderson, has a tough job. He has to make a 20,000-pound spacecraft traveling at 300 miles per hour slow down and safely splash down in the ocean. Brian is the Orion Parachute Deputy Project Manager, and he engineers the parachutes that deploy during the last portion of NASA's Orion mission to safely return the crew from deep space. His team recently completed a drop test of Orion and the chutes, dumping an Orion capsule mock-up from a C-17 over the Army's Yuma Proving Ground in Arizona. It's one of a handful of tests pushing the Orion chute system to the limits, ahead of the next Orion mission, EM-1. I spoke with Brian Anderson from NASA's Johnson Space Center about the engineering behind parachutes, what's left to learn, and what it's like being responsible for the safe return of deep space astronauts. Uh, Brian Anderson, thanks so much for speaking with us. Yeah, great to be here. Now, did you kind of have to re-teach yourself uh, kind of capsule design and parachutes when you were building Orion? I mean, it's, it's been a while since NASA's used uh, a capsule in, in its uh, space exploration. It has been a while, um, but I, I can speak uh, maybe best to the, the parachute system. Um, and we actually, uh, we do lean a lot on Apollo and what uh, Apollo learned uh, we actually have several members of the of the team who uh, did serve uh, during the Apollo days, and so they're a, a great wealth of information. They kind of point us uh, in the right direction on on various things. But because the capsule uh, Orion is so much bigger, uh, so much heavier, it actually requires. Uh, there's a lot, you know, the devils in the details on whether or not you get the parachute design right, and those differences between the Apollo capsule and the Orion capsule. Yeah, we have we have had to learn uh, a lot of new things. Uh, some of which are are based on, you know, for example, during Apollo, uh, they used primarily nylon. But for the Orion parachute system, we actually use nylon and Kevlar, uh, which is a lot stronger, uh, lighter weight material. Uh, but because of that, we've we've had to learn some things. And this is a huge amount of of force you're trying to slow down, right? I mean, it, it's this capsule's coming careening into the atmosphere. It's it's heavy. You have to deal with all sorts of forces. What are what are what's some of the? Can you give me like a weight or or how much force you actually have to control on these things? Sure. Yeah. Um, the Orion capsule itself weighs a little bit over twenty thousand pounds, and so it's it's screaming in. Uh, by the time when our parachute sequence starts, it's going o- over 300 miles an hour, and so we've got to we've got to be able to slow that down. And in so doing, the the parachutes, uh, some of them have to be able to take forces, uh, you know, somewhere between 40 and 50 thousand pounds. Wow, that's a lot of force. Yes. Uh, kind of g- give us a sense of scale. What are the size of of these drogue chutes, and then what's the size of the the main parachutes that you use? Yeah, so the the drogue parachutes are 23 feet in diameter. 
Uh, that's a, like 400 square feet or so of, of area. Um, and they're about 100 feet long. Um, and then the, the main parachutes, they're 116 feet in diameter. So they're, um, they're much bigger. Uh, and they have uh, about 12,000 square feet of, um, of area. So, I mean, my house in, in Texas is relatively good size, but uh, you could, so you could fit three, three parachutes. You could layer my house with three different, you know, three, three parachutes. It, it's pretty huge. And how many main chutes are there? Are there three main chutes on the Orion? That's correct. There's three main parachutes. And it, it's not just about slowing, slowing the capsule down. You kind of, you want to slow it down relatively slowly, right? Because if you try to come to a full stop, whoever's inside that capsule is not going to have a good day, right? <laughs> exactly. And so we actually design into the parachutes. So on both the drogue and the main parachutes, we actually open those parachutes gradually. So we start off and we have something that's called a, a reefing line that uh, basically holds the mouth of the parachute closed. And then after uh, you know about eight seconds, uh, we, we cut that uh, reefing line and the parachute opens a little bit more and then we cut it one more time before it goes to full open and that's that's for both the drogues and the main parachutes so it's a gradual opening of the parachute then that's right so tell me a little bit about um, what kind of hardware you had on EFT1 um, this was the test mission a few years back um, and what's changed what's progressed um, as we move towards EM1 um, the next test flight of the Orion capsule so we've done a couple of things, especially in the parachute system, um, that that we really feel are are great improvements. One of those on EFT one, we had uh, steel risers. Uh, the the riser is the part of the parachute that connects the the canopy of the parachute to the the capsule itself. And those steel risers, uh, we originally put them on because uh, you know we were thinking that if the riser came into contact with the capsule you know, from an abrasion perspective, that that steel would be uh, more robust. And it probably is more robust, but it's also heavier, and it's a lot harder to work with. And so one of the things that uh, we did at the end of our uh, development test program is that we figured out that we could go to an all-textile riser, so it's just Kevlar, and we have uh, protection that we put over the top of it that gives it that robustness, but also makes it... uh, lighter weight than the steel risers were. Um, It also is much, much easier to work with uh, when we put the parachutes into the capsule. One of the other things that we've also done is we've uh, found out that, you know, the the Kevlar cord that we use, uh, it's it's made with a weave, and we've figured out that we can weave that cord just a little bit differently to save ourselves a lot more mass and uh, also, it actually, because of the weave, it actually gives us a little bit more strength, and so we're we're even more robust in the in the strength uh, category. Now, how do you go about preparing these parachutes? Are they are they packed by hand, and do you follow specific instructions? Like, how how do you go about getting these things ready for a test or, or ready for an actual flight? Great question. That's what we spend most of our time doing is figuring out how we're going to do that. Um, so the uh, it depends on the parachute. So our smaller parachutes, uh, they are usually packed by hand. Uh, we just we we put them in something called a a packing fixture, and and we have procedures that we've developed over the course of the program and over the course of our airdrop tests. 
uh, to make sure that the parachute's going to come out like we want it to. So those are done by hand. But then the bigger parachutes, like the drogue parachutes and the main parachutes, we actually use a hydraulic ram uh, for that. And, for example, on the on the main parachutes, uh, there's a lot of material to stick into a relatively small size, and we have to push up to 50,000 pounds uh, to get them you know, into the, the packing fixture that we have. And after we do that packing, we actually go put them in an, in an autoclave, uh, which is just a big oven. So we essentially cook the parachutes, and what that does is it helps the parachute materials to uh, maintain their shape so that we fit into the, the volume that's been allocated to us. Uh, we also use vacuum. Uh, we, the packing fixture that we have... Um, it, it will uh, suck a vacuum on that to remove any moisture and those sorts of things as well. So, Brian Anderson, you must be pretty good at, at packing for a trip then, right? You can get all the clothes in your suitcase? <laughs> My wife would like, would like me to be better. <laughs> but but we, don't, we don't have budget for a, a hydraulic ram at our house. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> so let, let's talk about how these um, – so you pack them. All sorts of, of um, work goes into packing these parachutes. How do you deploy them when when the capsule's on its way back to Earth? It's getting ready to to land and, and splash down. What what kind of causes the the chain reaction of parachutes uh, from coming out? So the the most of the parachutes are deployed using something that's called a mortar, which is basically just a cannon. And depending on the size of the parachutes, that that cannon is is bigger or smaller. And so that that cannon or the mortar is initiated using a, an electrical signal, and it, it fires off a pyrotechnic device that uh, shoots that shoots the parachute out into the airstream. And so for, like I mentioned, most of the parachutes, that's how, how that works. The main parachutes are the only uh, exception to that, and they are pulled out of their main, out of the bays using three pilot parachutes, which are just uh, small parachutes. They're also mortar-deployed but then their only job is to pull the main parachutes out of their base. What if something goes wrong? What kind of redundancy is built into uh, this parachute system? We are, uh, we are designed to function uh, assuming that you lose one of each parachute. So, for example, uh, we nominally have two drogue parachutes or three main parachutes, and we're designed to function with or we have to show that we meet the requirements using just one drogue parachute or two main parachutes. What are what are you looking at? Is there still any problems that you're still trying to figure out or uh, maybe a technique you're still not particularly comfortable with yet and, and this is really what you're looking forward to? We are now into our, our qualification phase of our testing. And so we, uh, we actually ran 17 uh, drop tests in our development uh, test program, and so now we're now we have eight qualification tests, and so we've actually learned a ton. Um, and what we're doing now in the qualification phase is is just testing the parachutes at the edges of the deployment envelopes uh, that we have for each of the parachutes. And so, you know, what we're what we're hoping to learn with this drop test is to make sure that the drogue parachutes will deploy like we think they should at a lower velocity. What got you into parachute engineering and parachute design, Brian? This 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 is fascinating. How did you find yourself uh, in this field of work? 
first, I'm just a really lucky guy, I think. <laughs> and second, um, I uh, worked. I, I've I work in a branch where uh, we've we've done lots of aerodynamics, and uh, I I looked across the the center and and saw that there was an opportunity to to work on something that involved aerodynamics and testing and materials and you know all sorts of just you know really really fun things. Now, how is the development of, of the rest of the Orion systems there at Johnson Space Center? Are you able to kind of work with, with colleagues that are handling other aspects of, of the mission? Absolutely, um, and it's, it's functioning very well. Uh, you know, we, we work mostly with the – so we don't actually provide the mortars, the cannons that shoot the parachutes out, and so we work with uh, another team that, that is developing those. Uh, we also work with a team uh, that – uh, their job is actually to, for example, on the drogue parachutes, once we're done with them, we need to cut them away uh, so that we can deploy the main parachutes. And so there's a, a riser cutter team uh, that's developing those cutters, and so we've been working with that team as well. But everything's uh, everything's going uh, well. So there's actually like a... a automatic scissors that are on there that that cut those uh those risers essentially uh it's it's just a big blade uh that they again they use uh you know at nasa we like pyrotechnics and so uh, we actually fire pyrotechnics and it shoots a blade across the uh, parachute riser into an anvil into a big block of metal on the other side and it cuts the parachute away that is so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really awesome. So, I mean, this this is a the parachute system is you know extremely crucial to crew safety. I mean, what's it like working on on uh, on this aspect of Orion? When you think the grand scheme of things, you probably are protecting astronauts that maybe you know orbited the moon or are coming back from Mars one day. What what's it like to work on a project like that? So it's it's really sobering uh, for one and. You know, every once in a while, you you definitely think about uh, that fact, and it it makes you try a little bit harder, uh, think a little bit more, maybe pay pay a little bit more attention to the details. It's very similar. You know, my my dad, I I grew up in the Seattle area, and he worked for a, a naval shipyard. And when he found out that I wanted to be an engineer, he uh, he shared with me a video about uh, about uh, a, a submarine that was lost back in the fifties, and uh, shared some some pretty sobering things about that um, and and how people were on board and and so a lot of times when I'm working on the parachutes, I think about that experience that my dad shared with me and that you know it's not just about numbers, it's about people's lives. Uh, but it's it's exciting to be uh, to be able to be a part of such a great program. And have you met some of the astronauts that may one day fly in the Orion capsule? Yes, and uh, that that also helps uh, you know help us helps us keep our focus puts a puts a face to uh, you know face to what's going to happen. So you said you're going through these qualification tests um, and then EM one in, in just a few years. I mean, do you think the the Orion team is ready for EM one? Uh, we definitely have a lot of work to do in terms of getting everything all ready, but uh, we're we're making great progress. I, you know, we're we're on schedule to to get there. Uh, I I have lots of confidence that we're going to be ready. Brian Anderson, thanks so much for speaking with us. You bet, it's been great. That was Brian Anderson, Orion Parachute Deputy Project Manager, joining us from NASA's Johnson Space Center. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. This podcast is coming up on its one year anniversary, and we are super close to a really important milestone half a million downloads. 
Let's ring in this first year by reaching that goal. And to do that, I'm going to need your help. Do me a favor, introduce someone new to this podcast. We'll all explore space exploration together. Support for Are We There Yet comes from the listeners of WMFE. You can follow the show online. We're on Twitter at AWTYMars or reach out to me in the Twitterverse. I'm at SpaceBrendan. Are We There Yet is a production of WMFE and our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod. Until next time, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.